listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, all right, welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. It is episode 51 today. Episode 51. It's been a few weeks since we've done one by ourselves, so I'm not sure how it's going to (laughs) go. Well, it's been two weeks, so it hasn't been that long. We'll probably remember what to do. It seems like a long time. Well, since then, um, I'm probably going to be a little bit more irritating to listen to today than normal because I have kind of a scratchy throat going Scratchy on. throat. I know, the scratchy throat. I think because, you know, I had all the insomnia issues for a little while, my immune system just got kind of weak. And I don't know if it's a summer cold or I know the pollen count here has been crazy in Texas. My car, my white car, has been yellow. We've had to wash it, right? I know your truck's had the same thing. Well, at least you don't sound as bad as Nina Blackwood from 80s on 8. Oh, my gosh. That's always so funny. (laughs) Hi, I'm Nina Blackwood. (laughs) Bless her heart. I mean, she's got She had had a rough voice in the 80s, and it's only gotten rougher. Was that from smoking, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe something happened. She sounds like Wolfman Jack. That's what I I still love her, though. (laughs) I love 80s on 8 on the satellite radio or whatever Mm -hmm. that is in the car. Yep. So, So. yeah, the last few weeks we've talked to Helen, so... Uh, which was a great interview because, you know, we talked amongst ourselves of kind of where we were going with the podcast, and one of the things that we established that we wanted to do was really talk to the people that are, you know, 50 and above that are that are very healthy and doing great things. Yeah, and that's that's really not uh, to say that if you're under 40 or under 50, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think we've made that joke, but I just want to clarify that there's some really smart people out there right? who but, are doing a lot of good things. Right, but the, again, the thing is, is when you're 20 and 30, you can pretty much do anything and it works. <laughs> You could go outside and eat rocks, and it's going to work. <laughs> I don't know. It, is, it does seem that way, because I did a lot of sketchy stuff coming up through my 20s and 30s. Oh, yeah. That a lot of experimenting that now, if I did it, I'd probably just die. Yeah. You know. I, I, I know I would. I would probably not make it, because I, I treated my body not so much like a temple, but more like an outhouse. Do you think that's why we have trouble now? <laughs> I know, I know it's why. And you know, when when you're young and you can do whatever you want and you do, and you, you don't treat your body like you should, you pay that price in your 40s. That's what happens. Yeah, you do. You pay it in, what did they say? You pay it in spades. I don't yes. even know what that means, but it sounds good. But <laughs> so, you know, I know that like we've talked to someone like, Uh, Robert Sykes, Keto Savage, he's very young, and Mm -hmm. he started keto very early. He's probably going to avoid all this trash business that we have going on with our bodies as we get older. So someone like that, maybe listen to them. They're they're probably a good resource because they're doing it right from the beginning. But 
so many people at the age of 40 or 50 start to break down so rapidly mm-hmm. that if you find someone who's doing it, doing life, and they're succeeding in their health and their wellness and fitness, it's always a good idea to go to that person and say, hey, what the heck are you doing? Right. Because yeah. as we talked about before on this show, you, you know, you have to change. What you did in your 20s, again, you know, being healthy and finding a diet that works for you is great. And there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can eat. And then in your 30s, it's going to change. What you can or cannot do is going to be different. And that's the progression. So the, the reason we like talking to athletes that are, you know, our age or older is because we want to see what they're doing. That gives us insight into where we're going to go. Right. And, I, you know, I found a few people on social media in the last couple of weeks that I'd really like to get on the show and talk to them. One lady in particular, I think her name uh, was Sue Spencer, and she's, um, oh, what is her handle? It's like uh, Lift You Up Coaching is what she goes by on Instagram right now. But she was she's a 60 something year old woman who is competing in Olympic weightlifting but she didn't start until she was in her 50s. I want to talk to someone like that. Like what made you decide that you want to start lifting weights over your head with very technical lifts like Olympic weightlifting at that stage in life? Yeah. That's a that's an interesting uh path and how does that happen cuz most people that you talk to that are 50 above, if they're overweight or or they have health issues and they're out of shape, they kind of just are resigned to their fate. They don't really think that they can change it, and they don't have the energy or the motivation to change it. I just remembered the other handle she goes by. Beast Mode Grandma. <laughs> How could I forget that? Who, who wouldn't love to have a grandma that goes by Beast Mode Grandma? Yeah. I mean, that is so inspiring. And that's really, I think, where we would like to see this podcast go is to be a place of inspiration for, for you guys. Because even if you're not 40 and you're listening to us, which, <laughs> thank you, one person out there. <laughs> so... You're going to get to that stage where you're going to see people who are much older, and it's so inspiring to watch someone do great things like that when, you know, you think most people are quitting at that stage in life, and they're looking at chilling out, not doing anything. Maybe they were a marathoner when they were young, or they ran, but now they're quitting. Mm -hmm. And these are people that are just starting. Right, just getting warmed up. And that's what I want to be. And, and on that topic, so knowing that you're you're always going to have to be analyzing uh, your diet and what you're doing, we've been doing a couple things the past few weeks that are of interest. And one of them is probably the most difficult thing is is looking at your caffeine consumption and reducing it to an appropriate amount. Yeah, that was that was a difficult one because you know I've talked about the insomnia that has been going on and it's been going on. It was going on for a while. It started back like at least in January and I had not really cut back on my caffeine too much. I would do it a time or two. And then I would be like, well, I'm not, let's not go crazy. (laughs) So I would still have the cup in the afternoon. And that probably was not the best choice when you're, when you have insomnia, but you get into that catch 22 where I can't sleep, I'm tired, 
I'm going to use the caffeine to make me awake. And then you just get in that vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, we can talk about our, over the years, our caffeine consumption because it's gone up and down. Uh, I know, I mean, we laugh because a few years ago, probably four or five years ago, we were drinking three cups a day sometimes. Easy. Easy. And they weren't little cups. They, we weren't, these weren't little, you know, European coffees. These were... Uh, American-style big, American big coffees. Good-sized coffees. And and we were doing that because, you know, we were in that, uh, just that happiness that we were, oh, just have coffee. Come on. It's fun. Uh, and then at some point we cut back to, all right, let's just do two cups and yeah. try not to take any caffeine in after about, you know, two in the afternoon. And then uh, when the recent sleep issues come up, then we got to have the, you got to have that serious conversation with yourself is, all right, here we go. I really need to. I need to cut back the caffeine some more to see how it affects your sleep. You know, and that, I think because I was starting to get to, get to the place where I was desperate, it became a lot easier. And, and that's always the thing. When you get desperate, you'll do the right thing, hopefully. So I have cut back, and I know you kind of joined in with me, even though you don't really have debilitating sleep issues. No, not debilitating, but you start to notice that uh, when you wake up, you don't feel rested. You still feel tired. And then the one indicator is like, you can't wait to get to that cup of coffee. That's, and I, you know, I know Helen talked about this last week about overtraining and if her students or her, you know, clients were doing what she was doing, she would have been like, uh, like saying, don't do that. That's bad for you. Well, I do the same thing as a nutritionist. I'll tell my client, hey, you need to cut back on caffeine or we need to we need to really dial this in. And I'll hope that they do that for their health, but I'll sit here myself and be like, while I'm drinking my cup of coffee, <laughs> telling them they need to cut back on coffee. And it was really the one thing that I, I would say it's my one vice. Everybody has one, generally. Mm -hmm. um, most people do, maybe not everyone. But that was my advice, and it was more so. I really love the ritual of it, and I have, I don't have a lot of emotional attachments to foods anymore, except for that cup of coffee. So figuring out how to dial that down, how to you know titrate the caffeine down, started becoming really important because I couldn't sleep, and then I still, when I did sleep, it was maybe four or five hours, and I woke up extremely tired, and I couldn't wait to get to the coffee. Right, and and that was the thing for me was is all right. I, now this is uh, I can recognize it as, as almost as an addiction because it is. And well, and let's not let's not tiptoe around it. It, it is an addiction. It is an addiction. It's a it's a drug. It's a legal uh, you know stimulant. Uh, and so you know just cutting it back for us now we're just doing the one coffee in the morning. I don't feel like when I get out of bed that oh my gosh if I don't get a cup of coffee in me immediately. Uh, I don't. I don't even want to walk around the house. No, I don't either. And I think cutting back to the one cup a day. In fact, the other day I almost thought about cutting down and just doing decaf all the time because I am doing a decaf in the for a second cup if I want one. And we haven't even been doing that every day. But the one cup in the morning, you know, I d I went through a couple of days where I did have a little bit of a headache. Um, I felt a little off. And that's normal, but just kind of push through that. You know what to expect. And one thing that has happened is my sleep has drastically improved. Shocker. I mean, <laughs> what did I expect? I know. You know? I know. It's so, because everybody says it, it's so obvious. And, and mine has, it's gotten better as well. I sleep more soundly and it feels like it's deeper. And when I wake up, I'm not tired. And, 
you know, I come in the kitchen and I'm not looking for that cup of coffee. I'm like, well, you know, if we get to it, you know, great. Whenever we get to it, you know, we still sit down and, and, and read and drink coffee together. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that everybody knows that. And everybody knows that it's hard to do. So, so how do you do it? Well, you, you, you do it in, in baby steps. Exactly. And that was the thing. We had, I guess our baby steps had lasted like four or five years then. <laughs> so you might want to, you might want to quick step it a little bit and don't be like us. But, you know, we did have the times where we would be traveling back and forth before we had moved back here to Texas and we would come from Florida to back here to visit family. And we would have coffee before we left. We would have coffee on the way out of town. We would stop in Louisiana and have coffee. And sometimes we would get a small coffee once we got into Texas. Right. It just depended on how early we left. And those were times where we kind of got into the habit of drinking a lot more coffee. And over the years, of course, obviously, just being at home, it was easy to cut that down to, to, you know, two cups a day during the week. But we would do two, three, sometimes another small coffee on the weekend because what did we tell ourselves? It's the weekend. It's the weekend. It doesn't matter. Nothing counts. That's no better than someone who is drinking and going, it's the weekend. (laughs) So you have to start looking at those things that are, you know, even though they seem perfectly normal and they're very common Mm -hmm. among everyone around you, if it's not doing your health a a good service, then you have to really look at it and say, okay, even though this is, most people look at this and this is normal. You've got all the studies that say, oh, caffeine is good for you. It does, coffee is good for you. It does all these things for your body. It's an antioxidant. Well, if you're not sleeping well, then maybe it's not good for you. It doesn't matter because if you're not, if you're not sleeping, you're not recovering, uh, you know, you're getting that restorative sleep and it really, you're right. It really doesn't matter. And, And we've done this before where we've dialed back to about one cup in the morning uh, didn't last real long because what happens is is you, you get out you have that cup in the morning and you get out somewhere and you have some downtime between whatever it is you're doing you're like oh I'll just grab a little cup of coffee and you're like oh I feel really good and that's the initial you know caffeine burst oh right. I feel really good but it only feels really good for so long until it becomes again it becomes a habit and then you need more and you just you know go down that rabbit hole and you know, I think something to remind ourselves, especially if you've been a long time coffee drinker like we have, is that if you if you remember back to the first time you ever had coffee and how your body reacted to it, that's what I have to remind myself. Okay, I had violent reactions to the first time I ever had coffee. I had like all it's a diuretic. It will It's a bowel mover. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does all those things. You feel sometimes kind of jittery. And, you know, for me, I had diarrhea the first few times that I drank coffee because it stimulates bowel movement. Right. And, well, it also, uh, you know, it it displaces your absorption of of other minerals like magnesium, uh, calcium, and B vitamins. Well, let's not get too down on coffee. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. See, that's a true addict. That's how that's how an addict talks. Let's not let's not talk too bad about the caffeine. But no, that is true. And you know, that's why we have cut back. It's really important to look at for me to look back and go, okay, the the way my body reacted the very first time that I had coffee is probably the way underlying all the like I, I've become very accustomed to it, but my body still probably reacts that way in in smaller 
measures. Right. If you would, you know, maybe say that. I know some people use it to um, stimulate their bowels to go to the bathroom. So. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Many times. And I know a lot of people do coffee enemas. I don't really know a whole lot about that. That's just that. weird. I don't know anything don't, about that. I've heard about it. I know. That's one of the things you, you hear about and go, ugh. Oh, that's how I felt the first time <laughs> I heard of Bulletproof Coffee. I was like, butter in your coffee? Ew. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know a lot about coffee enemas. It's not something that I've looked into a whole lot, but I'd rather drink my coffee than that. <laughs> just saying. It seems way easier. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to get it in that way. I mean, it's going to get down there anyway, right? I, you know, Whether top I, to bottom or bottom to top, I, it gets to the same place. I guess. I don't know. I, I really haven't checked into that too much. I know a lot of people that do it. Maybe I need to ask somebody, but I don't know if I want the answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a video you can watch. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Okay, so uh, so caffeine. Look at what you're... Uh, if you're having issues, especially sleep, look at how much you're taking in in caffeine. Sometimes people just will overlook that because you don't want to really look at it. Right, and I know that there is also a little bit of a stimulation that happens through decaf coffee, so that's why I have... Uh, you know, I'm baby-stepping it. I've got my one cup in the morning. I have like a small decaf before noon usually, and then I don't have anything else the rest of the day as far as caffeine goes. But even with the decaf, there can be some adrenal stimulation that happens there. My sleep has greatly improved. Like, I can fall asleep really easily now, and I'm getting about eight hours again, which is where I usually tend to be. Thanks, Mom and Dad. You know, my, my parents made me go to bed at 8.30 my entire childhood. Like, that was my bedtime. And then when I became a teenager and it was, like, time to stay out late with your friends, I was like, God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> Steve knows. I'm so tired. <laughs> and, you know, I've always been the sleepy at 8.30, and I can wake up at 5, no problem. But, man... Lately, it's just been, I've been back kind of like on that train, that natural rhythm of I get sleepy at about 8.30. A lot of times I'll wake up at 5 or 6 and I'm, I'm fully refreshed and mm-hmm. ready to go. That is, that's gold. Right. That is the money right there. Finding your, your biological rhythm, your circadian rhythm that's personal to you and finding out what that is and how it works best for you is important because as we always say, we're all different. Um, you know, there's plenty of people that, you know, stay up to two, three in the morning and sleep till noon. Uh, that ain't if, me. That's yeah, that's not us. But if if, if that's the type of person you are, uh, and that's what works best for you, and you feel healthy and you feel rested, then you know, roll with it. You know, something I heard that was interesting last week when I because uh, I've been looking at sleep stuff a lot and. Um, that biological drive to go to sleep, whatever time you do get sleepy, that if you push past it, which I do, I was doing that a lot. I would push past the time where I felt sleepy. And this was another key problem. What happens is your your adrenal glands go, oh, we're in trouble because you're sleepy, but you won't go to sleep. So there must be trouble. So let me pump out some cortisol and some epinephrine and let's get you ready to run. So that's why a lot of times people right. will get sleepy initially, and then when they lay down finally to go to sleep, they'll feel like they could go do a, a big workout, and that's the way I would feel. Right. Your body, your, your body thinks you need to be on alert, so it creates all those things you need to stay on high alert. Right, and that's very irritating. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's not always socially, it's not like the best 
biological clock to get sleepy at 8 o'clock or 8.30. But getting into a sleep pattern that fits your biology is, mm -hmm. is really important because recovery when you're working out. I guess if you don't work out and you don't push yourself, then I don't know. But I don't know if, it, if it's as detrimental. But well, with the work, workouts that we're trying to do or I'm trying to do, I have to recover. Right. You have, if you're working out hard, you have to have sleep to recover or you're, you're just going to go on, you know, in the tank. Uh, but, you know, Mark Wahlberg goes to bed at 7 o'clock at night and gets up at like 3 in the morning. I saw that video and he doesn't look refreshed. No, he doesn't. He did he not doesn't. look like he had gotten enough sleep. He needed, uh, you know, a few more hours. Uh, but, it, again, in addition to the caffeine, the other thing that you've been, that you've been trying, again, uh, this is something that, that Melody's doing and I'm not going down this road. No, we're apparently just living separate lives right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is, is toying with uh, carbohydrate intake and how that affects sleep. Right. And again, we know we're primarily keto, a keto podcast um, and carnivore. What, and you still stay fairly, like you're carnivore. I'm still carnivore. I mean, I really... Like uh, I haven't seen a plant go in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, except for the coconut flour donuts that I made that you had that I made you try. Oh, those were so delicious. Yeah, I made some coconut flour protein donuts. Yes, they were really, really good. They were really good. The problem with those is I want to eat like two of them back to back. But or if I'm you just crush do, them. you will not feel good. I don't think because you'll be so full. I, I well, we'd have to else? just try it. One of them's great. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not going there. We'd have to try it because I, you know, I put it on Instagram the other day. I when I made the chocolate ones, they're mm -hmm. they're basically a meal replacement because um, it's like two hundred and something calories. It was like twenty one grams of fat and uh, a good amount. I can't remember. Exactly. Seventeen grams of protein. Seventeen grams of protein. Oh, you remembered. Good. Yep. Could be the carbs I'm eating that made me forget. <laughs> but I have but, back to the carbs. So we we make it sound like it's a lot. I mean, it's not a lot. My net carbohydrate intake that has that I've been doing um, along with decreasing my caffeine has been a total of about 50 net carbs a day that is still in the low carb and sometimes keto space right because of the output of workout that I do I think that if I did check my ketones, I would probably be in and out of ketosis throughout the day, maybe mm -hmm. maybe hovering right in it. But we're out of strips, so I haven't checked. <laughs> <laughs> and again, our opinion, our opinion on, on being in nutritional ketosis is if you're making ketones, you're in ketosis. So whether that is you, you eat, have to eat less than 20 grams of carbohydrates or you can eat 150, it depends on your body. Yeah, that, that definition of ketosis is definitely, if you're making ketones, you're in ketosis. Right. If you had, God forbid, 200, like you said, grams of carbohydrates and you're making ketones, more power to you. You're a, you're a physical performer is what yeah. you are. So for me, the one, one thing that I've stuck to primarily is adding some, and I know everybody just like, hold on, <laughs> I've added some white rice to my meals <laughs> To get those carbs in and some vegetables. But what I've done is I've made sure, and the reason I did white rice instead of sweet potato, I've made sure that everything is low oxalate. That was the other thing that was 
potentially contributing to insomnia, I was eating a lot of oxalates because I was tr- trying all the almond flour desserts I was making. Yeah. And I had a lot of other issues come up that are oxalate related. And insomnia happened to be one of the uh, things that's related to high oxalate intake that I wasn't aware of. Right. Always finding out something new. Oh, every freaking day. <laughs> it's just amazing. And so, you know, I've upped it to about that amount. I'm, and part of that is vegetables that are low oxalate. You can find a whole list of low oxalate vegetables and foods, <clears throat> pardon me, on lowoxalate.info. And that's one of the most um, comprehensive lists. And that's where I'm adding in, I'm pulling all the low or no oxalate foods that fit in with a more keto lifestyle plus of the white rice instead of sweet potato for my carbohydrate mm-hmm. because there's no oxalates. So oxalate buildup in your body is something that, that everybody should should look at, especially if you're having these health problems that nobody can put a finger on. Your doctor doesn't know what it is and he just, you know, of course wants to give you more medication uh, and they're just telling you they can't figure it out, which happens way more than what people think. Oh, I know. We've had a lot of friends who go to the doctor with different issues, and the doctor just says, I really don't know what what it is. You know, you're having all these physical problems, but we can't find anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating for someone to go well, through that. And they'll start rolling the dice and just chunking out different medications to to see if it works. And, and that's not always good because, it, you know, you're never, uh, your body is never deficient any type of medication. No. Like you don't have a statin deficiency. You don't have a, a Lipitor deficiency. Um, you know, it just, you're, it's not, that's not the way it works. So if you have an issue and you're trying to fix it, there's a nutritional deficiency, either something you're not eating that you need to eat or something you are eating that you don't need to eat. And it's up to you to figure that out. Right. That's 100% true. Um, because we've had a lot of friends who they went to the doctor, like you've told about it on here before. We have the one friend who went to the doctor, couldn't figure out was what was wrong. You just simply said, how much water are you drinking? Right. It was just <laughs> a water issue. The person didn't drink water. They drank sweet tea the entire day and never took in any water. And, and it was a simple fix. And you're like, wow, okay, just drink water. Okay, who's next? <laughs> That'll be $65. No, now, I'm sure there's a, a ton of other things to, you know, uh, address in someone's uh, diet like that. But, you know, when, when you're not drinking any water, that's like the first step. And then now let's drink some, let's get water in you for a couple weeks. Now, now what's happening? Now let's address the next thing. And that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. Right. And, you know, you mentioned we're always learning something new. Um, this last week, we had some other stuff come up about um, with your dad. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I live right next door to my dad, which is great. So we're always talking, and and you know, he's almost seventy. He was seventy this this uh, July, and uh, he went to the eye doctor, and and they were talking about he had glaucoma, stage two glaucoma. Um, and if you know, I'm not familiar with what that was. Had no idea. You know, I don't have glaucoma. I'm only, you know, almost 50. And so started doing some research and trying to figure out why why that is. Because they had, they had given him beta blockers. And beta blockers reduce your blood pressure. And so they're trying to tie uh, the blood pressure to intraocular eye pressure. And that's the reason they give him beta blockers. And they also gave him prostaglandins to drop in his eye. Both of them are dropping his eye. And again, I went back to 
you don't have a beta blocker deficiency. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have a prostaglandin deficiency. What's what's wrong? Why is it working? So we did research, watched a couple of really good videos online, and it turns out it's really a hormone imbalance. Well, you know, the prostaglandins are actually created by hormone by by fatty acids. So that's the the, the two the three prostaglandins will um, create the inflammation and then anti-inflame. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got. Uh, what they're trying to do is reduce that pressure in the eye. Right. But when you think of like prostaglandins, that comes from our fatty acid intake and balance. So then when we found out, oh, it's a hormone imbalance, then you have to start looking at, okay, maybe there's a fatty acid deficiency here or an imbalance that would help the eyes. Right. So now you have to dig deeper and figure out, and that's where it gets personal uh, because... Uh, I don't. I don't know what hormone imbalance that causes the eye pressure to build up, uh, and everybody's different. So then you have to really start talking to people about exactly what they're eating. Oh, and how many people tell us the truth every single time <laughs> from the very beginning? What, what was it? Your dad? It was your dad that was like went to a church function and they had hamburgers and he said that <laughs> he, they, said, he said he had these hamburgers and they didn't set well it made him not feel good feel good and then it came out a few minutes later that he also had a bag of cheetos and <laughs> so it might have been the cheetos i'm, I'm going to go with the cheetos <laughs> not the hamburger not, meat not saying that you know the hamburger meat couldn't upset your stomach if it if it was not agreeable to him then yeah it absolutely could but I'm going to go with the Cheetos. I'm going to go with the Cheetos, too. <laughs> I'm going to so, go with the Cheetos. So, you know, and again, that just, you know, dealing with the, the glaucoma, when you have parents that are they're in their 70s, they're going to have, uh, you know, issues to deal with. And you want to help as much as you can, especially when all doctors want to do is just hand out more medication to people. That's all they want to do. They never want you to come off any medication, but they're always giving you more. And, uh, and they don't take, you know, my dad and his wife, they don't take any medication for anything. Right, and they always want to do surgery on them, too. They want to cut oh, yeah. them open all the time. They're like, we could take this out and this piece out, and we can mm-hmm. remove this. You don't need that old prostate. Just get rid of that thing. Yeah, or your gallbladder. We could take that while was, we're I'm in surprised there. it didn't go, you don't need that eyeball. Just wear a patch. It's cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like for for everything you go to the doctor for, they either have a medication or a surgery that they want to do. And it, it starts to get scary. And your dad's doing all of the good things. Like, he's very active. He He's trying to eat a low-carb keto diet. I, I still think he doesn't get enough fat. <laughs> but no. that's my opinion. And um, so, you know, but he has, he's gotten down to a really good weight and body composition mm-hmm. for being almost 70 and you would you would not think he was almost seventy for sure, right? But you know when he started, he took the beta blockers, uh, and you know because the doctor told him to, and his first complaint was it made me feel horrible, right? And a lot of the medications that that if, if you feel good, then you take a medication, and all of a sudden you feel terrible, right? That's kind of a good indicator that. Maybe the medication isn't the best route, or so, the, hopefully it's not the only route. Right. So we haven't solved this problem yet. We're still. So if anybody knows anything about uh, glaucoma and hormone imbalance, please let us know because uh, we're still doing research to see to see what happens. Uh, you know, we've changed his diet up a bit. We've removed some things. He was eating almonds, which yeah. are high in oxalates. So we we removed the almonds. Uh, talked to him about increasing his fat intake to make 
eat a little more fat, so maybe he makes the right hormones to cause the eye. And what it is, the eye builds up pressure, pressure because it doesn't flush. It doesn't, it doesn't release the liquid in the eye. The valves, I guess, don't work. So Your dad could just think of it like a car motor. <laughs> right, and he could exactly. probably fix it by himself. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if anybody knows anything about that, just, you know, hit us up because we're, uh, we're definitely getting deep into this research. Yeah. Eyeballs. I, I'm, I'm not an expert in that area at all. So. Well, I've only got two of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, glaucoma, if it goes unchecked, you will go blind. It's not a, like an... It's, it's not like it's no big deal. It's just leave it alone. It's a very serious issue. Right. And, you know, it, it's also because your optical nerve, which is a nerve, so we all, all, all nerves are tied to, uh, you know, they have a myelin sheath that, that keeps them healthy. So if you're not getting in that appropriate amount of fatty acids, which is what we talked about, was that makes that nerve not as healthy. Yeah. And it's just interesting that, like you said, when we, when we were researching it, how it fills with fluid and then it wants to fill with more of the fluid, but it can't, it can't let the, the other fluid leave, which has basically nutrients that have been used up that need to be flushed out of the eye area. And it's just so interesting. Like your body is so amazing mm-hmm. how it works. We don't even think that our eyes doing that while we're using them all day long. I had no idea my, my eye did that. I it, didn't either. It I mean, never told me. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's important, you know. Uh, when you, and again, that goes back to why we're, we're, we're seeking out people that are that are uh, healthy and doing uh, events like CrossFit and they're over 50 or they're 65 or they're 70, uh, seeing what they're doing and how they've achieved such great health. Because I don't want to be in my 70s or even 80s and not be healthy, not be able to be active and do what I want to do. I know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that when you find someone who is doing all that activity, especially when I think of the CrossFit athletes who like Helen um you're those workouts are so hard Mm -hmm. and you're not just moving fast you're lifting weight at the same time and your 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 cardiovascular system so all the all the injuries that can take place and how you have to be careful how you have to you know take care of injuries when they happen how you prevent them how you heal from them it's also important as we get older and it could be it could be anyone else it could be someone doing a triathlon mm-hmm. and that just that wear and tear on the joints as we get older you know how do you maintain the integrity of of your joints when you're an older athlete so we are looking for people to to talk to yep who are in that age bracket of amazing. Of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we have our own, uh, you know, athlete we coach, uh, Bill Black. He's 82 years old, and, and he runs, and, and he's active. And we, you know, we hung out with him pretty much every Wednesday at the track. And, and uh, we've talked to him about diet. And he had type 2 diabetes, which he, he reversed. He does not have to take any medication for that anymore. I, I know we just say that, but that's like, what? You reversed it? Right. He does not people have don't it. believe you can do that. I know, and 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 we've uh, we've we've talked to multiple people who that's happened. They've gone on you know a more a more ketogenic type diet, uh, increase their healthy fats, and reduce their their poor food intake, their poor processed food, and they naturally their insulin balance just goes back to what it's supposed to be, and they don't have to take medication anymore. So 
it's totally possible. And for most of the uh, afflictions out there, you can cure it. But again, it's your health. Exactly. And just like with your dad with the glaucoma, a lot of people would say, do you think that has anything to do with food? Mm, And, you know, that's the question we get so much. And, of course, all you guys listening, you know it has everything to do with food. You're smart. You're, You're here. You know. And it has everything to do with food. Anything that's hormonal related, anything in your body has everything to do with the food. Well, the one thing they did tell him was they, they wanted him to reduce his blood pressure. So that's what the beta blockers for. And then they tell him to reduce his sodium intake. That's so normal and, for and them to say that. Is, that. Yeah, that's so the dogma of what they say. And, and sodium, reducing your sodium intake is not healthy. That's one of the, sodium is one of the things you have to have to live. I know. And then they tell people who have high blood pressure to reduce it more. And the reason why most of the time people have high blood pressure is because they have a sodium imbalance. They need some more because their body's just holding on to all the fluid because it's afraid it's not going to get any more sodium. So that's the thing that, uh, you know, we just don't agree with. And again, we're not doctors, but I can read. I get two eyeballs and I've got time. So, uh, the, you know, the, the knowledge is not withheld within the medical community that we, you know, something we can't get to. Right. And even now, and now it's even more so that way because we have information so at our fingertips with the internet. Not everything on the internet is quality, <laughs> but there's a lot of ways that you can go out there and find out some good information. You can go to YouTube and you can go to Low Carb Down Under or Low Carb USA and you can hear all the science, mm-hmm. all the lectures. Yes. And you can hear all the experts talk. It is not hidden from you. Right. At and all. That is a great thing about uh, you know, YouTube especially. And low carb does this. All their stuff is online. So you can go watch all the presentations and learn so much because these are our scientists or uh, you know doctors or researchers who have all the data to back up what they're saying. Yeah, you've got some people who work in laboratories. You've got doctors who work every single day with patients and they're doing this what we what we call on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, you have your like I said your researchers, you have people who are just everyday people who are telling their story. There's so much good information out there that you you can just get to from your smartphone, which is incredible. There's right. no reason to be ignorant of any of this anymore. Well, I I can claim ignorance on a lot of things. Well, I know, just because you haven't, <laughs> ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. So just because you haven't searched it out yet. <laughs> I just claim ignorance. I was starting to feel really ignorant a few weeks ago when I couldn't sleep. I was starting to feel a little bit punch drunk. It is frustrating. Yeah. So again, even we do it. We toy with uh, our sleep, our diet, uh, our workouts, um, how much you know time we spend outside in the sun. We toy with all that stuff, and you should too. Don't uh, don't ever just think this is the one thing I'm doing and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Never lose that thirst for knowledge to to get better. You can always get better. Right. And if something goes wrong and you stop sleeping, adjust something. Don't get <laughs> pigeonholed into I'm keto and I have to remain at 20 grams of carbs or zero carbs. Or if you eat a lot of carbs and something's not working, maybe reduce them. Yes. It's just tweaking all these different things that you're eating. Keep it real food. That's really the big point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Man, the big my, point. my voice is raspy. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, Nina. All right. Well, I think that probably... Demi Moore. <laughs> Demi Moore. Uh, wraps it up for this episode. You got anything else to add? 
No, I don't. I don't think so. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, We hope you have a great day. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.